Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Reverend Steve Andrews. Today we read Judges chapter 8. And then the men of Ephraim said to him, What is this that you have done to us, not to call us when you went to fight against Midian? And they accused him fiercely. And he said to them, What have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the grape harvest of Ebezer? God has given into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb, and Zeb. What have I been able to do in comparison with you? And then their anger against him subsided when he had said this. And Gideon came to the Jordan and crossed over, he and the three hundred men who were with him, exhausted yet pursuing. So he said to the men of Succoth, Please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted, and I am pursuing after Zeba and Zalmanna, the kings of Midian. And the officials of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmanna already in your hand, that we should give bread to your army? So Gideon said, Well then, when Yahweh has given Zeba and Zalmanna into my hand, I will flail your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. And from there he went up to Penuel and spoke to them in the same way, and the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered. And he said to the men of Penuel, When I come again in peace, I will break down this tower. Now Zeba and Zalmanna were in Karkor with their army, about fifteen thousand men, all who were left of all the army of the people of the east, for there had fallen a hundred twenty thousand men who drew the sword. And Gideon went up by way of the tent dwellers east of Noba and Jogbaha, and attacked the army, for the army felt secure. And Zeba and Zalmanah fled, and he pursued them and captured the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmanah, and he threw all the army into a panic. Then Gideon the son of Joash returned from the battle by the ascent of Heres, and he captured a young man of Succoth and questioned him. And he wrote down for him the officials and elders of Succoth, seventy-seven men. And he came to the men of Succoth and said, Behold Zeba and Zalmanah, about whom you taunted me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmanah already in your hand, that we should give bread to your men who are exhausted? And he took the elders of the city, and he took thorns of the wilderness and briars, and with them taught the men of Succoth a lesson. And he broke down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. Then he said to Zeba and Zalmanah, Where are the men whom you killed at Tabor? They answered, As you are, so were they. Every one of them resembled the son of a king. And he said, They were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As Yahweh lives, if you had saved them alive, I would not kill you. So he, had, he said to Jether his firstborn, Rise and kill them. But the young man did not draw his sword, for he was afraid, because he was still a young man. Then Zeba and Zalmanah said, Rise yourself and fall upon us, for as the man is, so is his strength. And Gideon arose and killed Zeba and Zalmanah, and he took the crescent ornaments that were on the necks of their camels. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, you and your son and your grandson also, for you have saved us from the hand of Midian. Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you. Yahweh will rule over you. Then Gideon said to them, Let me make a request of you. Every one of you give me the earrings from his spoil. For they had golden earrings, because they were Ishmaelites. And they answered, We will willingly give them. And they spread a cloak, and every man threw in it the earrings of his spoil, and the weight of the golden earrings that he requested was seventeen hundred shekels of gold, besides the crescent ornaments and the pendants and the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian, and besides the collars that were around the necks of their camels. 
and Gideon made an ephod of it and put it in his city in Ophrah. And all Israel whored after it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and to his family. So Midian was subdued before the people of Israel, and they raised their heads no more. And the land had rest forty years in the days of Gideon. Jeroboam the son of Joash went and lived in his own house. Now Gideon had seventy sons, his own offspring, for he had many wives. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son, and he called his name Abimelech. And Gideon the son of Joash died in a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash's father at Ophrah of the Abizrites. As soon as Gideon died, the people of Israel turned again and whored after the Baals and made Baal Barith their god. And the people of Israel did not remember Yahweh their god, who had delivered them from the hand of all their enemies on every side, and they did not show steadfast love to the family of Jeroboam, that is, Gideon, in return for all the good that he had done to Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Our text today is not an easy one. It's a, a challenge to see when God's people sin and rebel against him, as we continue to see it this day, right? As we sin against the Lord and our loved ones, our family, our neighbors, we see them sin against the Lord as well. And this is not good, but it's sinful nature, and that's what we see here from even Gideon, even the judge himself. So it starts out with some of the men who had helped in the pursuing. So yesterday uh, we saw in chapter 7 that we have another one of the cycles here in the books of Judges that has started. Specifically, this is the fifth cycle in the book. So the fifth judge, Israel has sinned against God, he's given them over to oppression, and now he sends a deliverer, a judge who will rescue them from their oppression. And he has, right? They have pursued and, and they have defeated the Midianite army that had subdued them and oppressed them for seven years. And they did it with 300 unarmed men. We'll come back to that thought here in just a moment. And as the enemy was fleeing, then Gideon called upon the rest of Israel to come and join him. And so here are the men of Ephraim upset that they weren't participating in the fullness of the battle. And his response to them in verse 2 basically, why are you upset? And then he he seeks to appeal to their pride. He mentions that in the comparison of the two things, the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim, so, you know, the leftovers that you got, are better than the grape harvest of Abizer, the what he got, right, himself, Gideon of the tribe of Abiezer. And so, prideful, again, Ephraim has gotten the princes, Oreb and Zeb, delivered into their hands. And when they see that comparison, they're okay with it. They're no longer angry with Gideon. They're com- they're confident in what's gone on. And it appears they would go their own way. So he points them to their pride. This is not a good thing to start the chapter either. Some flattery here going on, but not good. Then Gideon is going to cross over the Jordan River with the 300 men from his battle with Midian. And as they're passing through, they come across Succoth. That, that's a town on the northern side of the Jabbok River, about five miles east of the Jordan River. And then he's going to ask for food there, but the officials, the leaders of Succoth, deny him, basically saying that they're not taking sides in the war, right? Why should we aid one army? instead of the other. What happens if they beat you? 
right? Then we are your ally, and they're going to come after us. That's the kind of thinking going on for the officials here as they reason to not assist. Pennywell, which is probably five to ten miles east of Succoth on the Jabbok River again, similar request, similar response given. To both of them, Gideon gives them a promise that when he returns, having defeated the kings of Midian, he is going to punish them for not participating, not in the war, but just helping him and his men, feeding those who were in need. So he threatens Succoth basically with, with whips, right? That he would make whips out of thorns and briars and he would whip them, uh, compared to Penuel, where he's going to break down a tower from among them. And we see later on that he actually is going to kill men in the city as well. So they do come across Ziba and Zalmana, finally, to the far east. I mean, Karkar, Karkor, is probably about 100 miles east, even from where Penuel is at. And there's only 15,000 men left. Only, right? 300 to start with for Gideon. Only 15,000 enemies left. They had 120,000 men already die. Verse 10. Midian's army was 135,000 men in size, and they fought against 300, and they lost. And not one of God's 300 people died. This is a spot to stop and just ask your children, how? How did that happen? How did Israel defeat such a great enemy? And the answer to that is the Lord. God is the one who fought for them. And this is the comfort, this is the hope, this is the point here really of the entire book of Judges is that it's God who does it. And this is the comfort and confidence that we have also in our faith. I am not strong enough to go toe-to-toe with the devil. I mean, Honestly, I'm not even strong enough to go toe-to-toe with my own sinful nature. But Jesus is, and he already has, and he's done it for you, he's done it for me, he has overcome sin, death, and the devil, he's conquered them, and we are now co-heirs with Christ, the king of all creation. Beautiful stuff. And that's the, that's the point driving the book of Judges. It is not Israel that won, it is God who fought for them. He gave them the victory. They didn't even have swords, 300 unarmed men. All right, so they then pursue Ziba and Zalmana. They eventually overcome them, capture them. At that point, just a capture. And they return. The ascent of Harry's is apparently a path that leads back to Succoth. And they capture one of the men of Succoth on the way. And they get him to write down the name of all the officials that lived in that city, 77 of them. And then they go into the town and they take those elders and they whip them right, with the thorns and the briars that were mentioned before. And then verse 17, he also then broke down the tower of Penuel that he had mentioned that he would and killed the men of the city. That makes it sound like all of the men. We don't know how big that city was or how many men there would have been. It's not spoken of as being just a, a fraction, right? It's not he killed some of the men of the city. He killed the men of that city. The bringing about the Lord's judgment because they did not aid God's people. Verse 18, Where are the men whom you killed at Tabor? He asks to the two kings of Midian. That is not recorded for us in any of the book of Judges here. It appears to have simply been part of the oppression that the Midianite kings were afflicting on Israel. They must have killed people too instead of just taking food. 
They seem to appear to flatter him, almost like Gideon flattered the men of Ephraim, right? Every one of them resembled the son of a king. They were a great people, right? Princes in their appearance. But Gideon mourns for them, calls them his brothers, and says that if they had spared, if, if Zalmanah and Ziba had spared them, he would spare them. He then calls upon his son, Jether, to kill them. Jether won't. He's afraid to do it. He's still too young. He doesn't want to take blood. And that appears to shift Ziba and Zalmanah's attitude in all of this as captives. Like they were humble before and recognizing where they were. But now they kind of taunt Gideon, right? Rise yourself and fall upon us. For as the man is, so is his strength. They're taunting him here. And there is a bit of a layer to the idea of uh, shame that comes with imprisonment, that a king would not want to be imprisoned. He'd rather be killed. There could be some of that going on. But again, it's, it's more of a taunt. As the man is, so is his strength. And that would be a reference to his son. They have seen his son as a coward, and now they're calling the father, Gideon, also a coward. They, they saw a moment, and their pride is taking over. They think that they can taunt Gideon into either allowing them eventually to go free, if that's their plot, or they just, again, want that shame to be done away with. It's hard to say for sure, but there seems to be a taunt here. Anyway, Gideon arises and kills them, both of them. He takes the crescent ornaments that were on the necks of their camels. The study Bible suggests that those might have been, you know, pagan pieces that were used to ward off evil spirits. Now, again, pagan practice, so not necessarily real function, but that would be a pagan idea behind it. In the next section, then, we see the men of Israel, so the 300 men, perhaps, but Israel as a whole, as a people group here being talked about, demands that Gideon rule over them, and then his son and grandson after. So they already want a king. This is a trouble, First Samuel chapter 8, which is going to be, oh, at this point, less than 200 years in the future. Really only about 125 years in the future. But he denies it and says, Yahweh will rule over you. That's spoken well. It's spoken rightly. However, watch how the rest of the text plays out. He asks them to give them, give him their earrings that they have earned from the spoil. And we then get the note that they all had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. The Midianites that Gideon and his men just led battle against, those that fell, they were descendants of Abraham. Ishmael is his son by Hagar. And then Gideon melts them down, 1,700 shekels worth of gold, which is 42.5 pounds, if you're curious, and that's roughly today about $1.3 million worth of gold, melts them down and turns them into, he turns them into this ephod, which is a piece of garment, almost like, I don't know, Probably the best way I'd describe it, it's almost like the the shoulder pads that you'd see on a football player, Um, that kind of uh, an outfit. And we then go on to see that Israel hoard after it, the the idea of God as husband and Israel as bride, wife, um, continuing here adultery whenever they worship false gods. So they turn this thing into an idol and they worship it. 42 and a half pounds, over a million dollars worth of gold as a statue that they then begin to worship. It becomes a snare to Gideon and his family. Midian is subdued, 40 years of rest, that's 1172 to 1133 BC. 
question coming off of this for your family. Is Gideon a good man? In fact, are there any good men in the Old Testament? The answer to that question is, both of those questions, no. There aren't any good men. The Old Testament is a story of sinners, right? It is a story of sinners and their need for salvation. So even here, even the judge that God has raised up to rescue Israel and restore them to peace again, even he is a wicked man who four times, five times doubts the Lord's call to go into battle, which, I mean, compared to Barak, that was just twice. We, I gave Barak trouble a few chapters ago. And then he makes an idol for them to worship. He probably even took his judgment too far against, for example, the men of Penuel, although that's not specifically spoken one way or the other in the text. Was that God's instruction for him to do, or was it just his own wrath? Gideon's not good, but God is. And God works through sinners to bring about good for his people. And that's something we we need to recognize, even in our midst today, that the Lord works through sinners like me to bring about good for his people. He works through sinners like you to bring about good for his people. All right, then the last section is going to be about the death of Gideon here. Jeroboam, another name for Gideon, goes back to his house where he's going to die. He has 70 sons because he had many wives. And it almost makes it sound, verse 31, like Abimelech is an addition to. So it would be 71 sons. Could still be 70. Maybe Abimelech's one of them. A concubine is a lesser wife. So, again, many wives here. And then Gideon dies. Now, he named his son Abimelech. Av, Hebrew for father, Melech, king. Abimelech means my father the king, or my father is king. Notice, right, what he had said back in verse 23 to the people that he would not rule over them, but the pride got to his head. At least so it would appear. When he goes to name this son, he names him by saying that, basically names his son calling himself king. Not good. Then, lastly, Israel returns to their pagan worship. In fairness, they were already there. Verse 27, they were worshiping this ephod that Gideon had made. They make Baal Barith, which means Lord of the Covenant, into their god. Whether this is simply Baal or some other specific god, harder to say. But they don't remember Yahweh. They forget the God who has saved them and delivered them, nor do they do good to the family of Gideon in the days to come, which we'll see more of tomorrow.